Smartcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesker demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley Man. Today we're talking a movie from 2005 available on Tubi and Freebie, Grizzly Man. Wait, how old is this movie? 2005, nearly 20 years old. Man. So Kelly and I have been really, really slow to hop on The Mandalorian because Star Wars shows largely suck. Sorry, Disney, please sponsor us. So off screen, the Mandalorian is talking to this dude. And I was like, is that freaking Werner Herzog? Because he's just like a, he's not a a unique looking old white guy, but his voice is so distinct that when I saw Grizzly Man in 2005, I I can never stop thinking about Werner Herzog's voice. (laughs) He narrates all his documentaries. Was this the first Werner Herzog documentary that you saw? Absolutely. But we went to the Telluride Film Festival a number of times and Werner Herzog has the largest, I think it's the largest, it's like a converted basketball gymnasium, a theater dedicated to him at the Telluride Film Festival. And I remember him from Grizzly Man, Timothy Treadwell, Amy Huguenard, and the Bears. Don't forget Thumper and Mr. Chocolate and yeah. Squiggles. And and Demon. And there's a bear named Demon. Yeah, Demon and Disemboweler and Hat Check. <laughs> that must have been the one with the faraway stare. <laughs> yeah. Remember this movie because I am a fan of bears. Not these bears, California Black Bear. And if you like the rhyming conventions, it goes, if the bear is brown, lay down. If the bear is black, fight back. And if the bear is, like, white, then you're screwed or something. And But <laughs> California Black Bears are my only experience. And I'm not sure that Kelly Ray will ever let me get close enough to Alaska to be in danger from Kodiak Grizzlies. Close enough to Alaska? Like yeah. you're not even allowed to go to Alaska? Maybe, but she knows that I'm going to want to go to Katmai, the falls and stuff, and watch the salmon jump, and that's grizzly territory. Is that yeah. in the grizzly maze? Yeah, well, no, definitely not. But I do want to go to those bays. There were two specific bays, but the grizzly maze is a whole other thing that he typically didn't go to until late in the season. But she's afraid that I will go off trail and pet them, like he did. I don't know that he quite pet them. He did 
bop them on the nose. Yeah, like, do you see? Boop. So the one got close to him in the water. He assumes a slightly defensive position so that he can bop it on the nose if it gets out of hand. But then it keeps going and he like pats it on the back and the bear's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and by what are you doing? You mean it turns its head aggressively towards right? Timothy Treadwell? Like what was that? And he like jerks his hand back. Oh, sorry, bear. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. <laughs> And honestly, you know, we there um, there are lots of naturalists or whatever, and there's a unique trait that gets them their own shows. And I have no doubt that Grizzly Man would have been a reality show if he'd really lived long enough for that to be like in full effect. You know, mm-hmm. this was it's, a little bit pre reality TV, right? At least the big ones. I think the Osbournes or whatever was on the air in the early 2000s or whatever, but it wasn't the boom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he has his unique personality or whatever. But it's that I think it's his downfall, his undoing as well, because he's he obviously knows a lot about the bears, but his personality is such that this like childlike innocence mixed with this wonder of I don't even really know what to call him. He's not a conservationist. He's he's considers himself a superhero bear protector. And I'm not sure that he had scientific training, except he like got out in the woods and knew how to bop a bear so it didn't eat him. And during his National Park Service rant, he was talking about people that he had worked with. So he had some experience with the Park Service. Yeah, but they had cited him a number of times for, as they called it, harassing the wildlife. When he was an employee of the Park Service? No, he was never an employee of the Park Service. Oh, but he knew them intimately, so much so that he could call them out in his tirade. I'm sure he'd just read the name on the citations. Yeah. Well, he was cited for not moving around his camp enough and then for coming too close to the grizzly bears, which Werner Herzog cites as a very reasonable law. Yeah. I think Werner is in love with the imagery, the the unexpected magic of movie making and uh, Fox running in when it takes on a life of its own and stuff. And while he didn't outright denounce Treadwell's efforts, I don't think he was on his side. I think he saw some of the beauty in the native beauty in, eh, get it, native in Alaska and with the bears and stuff. But I think that if you pinned him down and was like, Mr. Herzog, what do you think about this thing that Treadwell did? He'd be like, it was a bad idea. Pretty consistently. (laughs) And yet he still has so much sympathy. Maybe there's a twinge of disdain in his sympathy, but he's pretty sympathetic to Treadwell. But it's when he talks about Treadwell's interventions in nature and his invocations of God or a power, a force to bring the salmon, bring the rains to bring the salmon. Those seem a little bit more like indictments than they do. Reserved, neutral stances on on Timothy Treadwell. Yeah, he didn't hold back, though, in letting... Treadwell be ugly on camera where it was applicable you know that oh right he starts swearing and stuff and then he goes on the rant and, and is like middle fingering the park service and stuff but Treadwell is like the Steve Irwin cartoon that's like ultra heightened and doesn't look like him at all and like with a different voice actor or whatever because you know same thing nobody would say that Steve Ir- Irwin was like offensive or or not in the best interest of these animals that's what Treadwell professed to do but he met the same fate He simply got too close because he considered himself an expert and that they were his friends and he was safe and died as a result. I don't know. I I think he's a heightened, exaggerated character, and that's just who he was. It's the kind of person that reality TV loves. He is the Michael Jackson of bear people, experts. Experts? You mean like just a total train wreck? No. Well, the childlike enthusiasm where he just gets too close for everyone's comfort, even like uh, on the, the David Letterman and any of those shows, they've had like people would put their hands to their foreheads and be like, this is crazy, right? You're insane. You're going to die by bear. 
Yes. Which was, I guess, the way he wanted it. Yeah. And people were like, whoa. But it seems like Steve Irwin was more in control. And it looks like he knew what he was doing. And it was more of a tragic accident. And I'm not sure that anyone was like, Steve Irwin got what he deserved. It was inevitable. Whereas too many people say that about Timothy Treadwell. I don't know that he got what he deserved. I mean, I'm not happy that he died by bear. But it did seem inevitable. And like... He was playing with fire. Maybe he had a little bit of a death wish. Yep. It's also very clear that he was mentally ill. Yep. So they were like Timothy Treadwell and this clinical psychologist. Well, I mean, he's a dude on YouTube, but he's like, oh, he suffers from some depression, a little bit of narcissism. You can see it evidenced here and things like that. But uh, he definitely had a thing that drove him away from people. But he also had an excessive uh, dramatic theatrical personality. And stuff. So he found his solace in the bears because he felt like he wasn't understood by other people. But on a simpler, that guy's crazy note, he thought the bears were his friends, which is what every, which is what his friends said, like the pilot. But the curator of the museum dude said he, the fantasy was such that he actually was doing more harm than good. Right, because what Timothy Treadwell was doing out there was actually habituating bears to people. And then when there's people who want to maintain 100-yard distances, um, bears might be more comfortable with initiating breaking that themselves. It's a routine problem for bears in Yosemite, and it results in bears getting put down. When bears lose their fear of humans, and then they encroach on human habitations, which are, of course there you know we're going into their park and we're making we're we're deciding bears aren't uh, welcome here to go through our trash and our cars then we have to shoot them for the safety of people do they have to shoot timothy treadwell's bear yep shot him and as they said hauled four trash bags of people out of that bear i mean is that just a necessary thing because that bear is considered a a man-eater like the edge style yep because they have an obligation to retrieve the remains As it was portrayed in the movie, and I'm not exactly sure if this is true, the people, the forensics experts who went to the site of Treadwell and Huguenard's murder were charged by a bear. And they shot that bear and recovered body parts. So it seemed to imply that that bear was lurking. And then when they got there a couple days after his death, uh, that bear came at them, he shot them, and there were trash bags full of people. But... I'm a big dude. I'm pretty sure I could fit in one of those industrial. These must have been kitchen trash bags at best because no two people are four trash bags of people. Anyway, it's said, and this wasn't explicit in the movie necessarily, but people who have researched it have suggested that when he went back, uh, he was going to leave for the season and then flights were expensive. He got into an altercation, a verbal altercation with one of the people at the airport and was like, screw it, I'm going back when they shouldn't have in September, which ultimately resulted in their death. Um, By that time, he was so firmly, I am the friend of bears, that he didn't take bear spray anymore, that he deliberately positioned his tent in the grizzly maze so that to access food sources, the bears would have to cross directly next to the tent to get there unless they were going to like wade in the river all the way upstream. And most people in dangerous situations, I'm not sure if it's bear experts or wildlife in general, would set up an electric perimeter, which he refused to do. Oh, He was literally inviting bears to walk through his camp. Bad ones. And he went back because his favorite bear, as he put it, he didn't catch a glimpse of her at that part of the season. He's like, no, I have to go back and see Cupcake or whatever. Oh, man. Yeah, it sounded like it was getting increasingly dangerous that wilder bears from the interior were coming out. Bears that he had no relationship or familiarity with. And then also he was getting all dark and and unhinged. Like he was in that last that last bit of video footage was 
eerie and dark where he's like, I'm going to die out here. This is how I'm going to go. And he like shouldn't be there. But the great mystery, as Werner points out, is why Amy returned. If he's the one that had trouble with his airline ticket and was all disenfranchised with the human world and was like, animals rule. Like, why would Amy return to Alaska? She's at the airport. Go home, Amy. And is afraid of bears. <laughs> That's what love will do to you, where she is unquestionably his child of the universe soulmate with the bears or whatever. That's what she would do. She would go back with him. I thought we heard the audio of the murder. So there are three YouTube posts that are all the same video. They purport to be the audio, but none of it matches what Werner Herzog said he was hearing. Huh. Go away. Amy, run away. Run away. Hear Amy screaming. Hear a Amy hitting the bear with a pan. Yeah. And then like, and then her screams get hysterical. It's scary sounding audio, but I don't think it's real. Huh. But, but also it sounds like a dude's going, Rawr. <laughs> no. At, at one point, the bear, quote unquote, is is pretty sketchy. So <laughs> I don't think his widow, his would be widow would have released that. Yeah. So it's interesting because I don't think Jewel is an actor. And when Herzog is listening to that audio, it's maybe the most real moment in the film for me. Like, she looks horrified. He started, he, she's mm. never listened to it, supposedly. According to Herzog in an interview after, she ended up not destroying it. She put it in a bank vault to remove the temptation. Aww. She hadn't heard it. And the look on her face is so tragic when she's watching him listen to the audio. I think it was real. I think some of the other stuff wasn't real. <laughs> When the coroner, for some reason, says, Jewel, I want you to have this watch. I'm sorry it's in an evidence bag. And he, like, cuts it off. Came off of Treadwell's wrist. There may very well be DNA and blood and possibly gristle attached to the thing. We pulled it from his dead hand. And now I want you to put it on your wrist. This is a gift for you. Let me put my hand on your shoulder. And she's like, there it is, a wristwatch. I think that was pretty fake. And dude, the, wasn't he the same coroner who was given the crazy eyes with a body in the background? Yeah, f fully bagged body right next to him during the entire interview. That guy either thought he was a YouTube star or a movie star or that was totally fabricated. No, that would be unethical if it was fabricated. <laughs> but he was definitely he was definitely out there like he had to have been some backcountry Alaskan coroner type. Who routinely sees people get tore up and stuff. But it's also a little bit Herzog's framing. Like he does frame it. And I'm not talking just about the camera position, but the whole interview to really bring out the oddity of every subject. Yeah. Like what was his friend, the strictly platonic friend at the end, doing in that home with all of the insulation torn out? And like the or the drywall removed? <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. Maybe that's just how they let's go in my interview and shed. It's not finished, but <laughs> That's how, but that's specifically chosen by Werner Herzog, yeah. you know it. And the, and positioning the corner next to the body and all of the weird, but it was, but then you cannot account for, I, but I don't think he directed the corner to be weird and theatrical in Do his you think own he, way. He told him to overstep his mark and to get all up in the camera, all wide-eyed. You remember, <laughs> did you ever watch Faces of Death? When we got it on VHS from Video Time. Yeah, I think that was another. I think that was like one of the last ones that you strapped me down for. 
Ah, man, that seems like bad brothering right there. But anyway, the the host, (laughs) the host of Faces of Death, who ended up being fake, it wasn't his name or anything. He was like a physician or a clinic or a psychologist or something. And he was Dr. Francis B. Gross, which should have been a tip off. But he was basically like monster movie madness fest, midnight fest or whatever level creepy and wide-eyed and the coroner i think his name was frank with a c he reminded me so much of francis b gross that i was like this is this can't be real either this can't be real or herzog is just like everyone in alaska is a character and i wanted to preserve (laughs) that for my movie because it it kind of it in a way it delegitimizes the seriousness of some of these people. The dude got eaten by a bear, and now his like the coroner interviews like a farce. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion with over two hundred patents and easy on, easy off technology. You'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hmm. I mean, I, I kind of saw it as him trying to imbue some kind of dark comedy into it as a, a way to relieve the tension. But you're right. It does make it seem somehow less legitimate. Oh, man. And Werner is like straight up just German. And Aguirre, did you see Aguirre, Wrath of God? I haven't seen it. I just know that Dad talked about it all the time. And like Fitzcarraldo and stuff, that's Dad's jam. Yeah, bears were always his jam. Do you remember when he used to bait them with open cans of sardines? Yeah. On our windowsills in in Yosemite? Yeah, he taught me. Did Dad even eat sardines or did he get that just for the bears? I I think he liked them. I think that was like one of his growing up poor in Chicago snack go to's. Because I definitely bought jars of peanut butter just to take to Yosemite to sit on the back of mom's car with a knife in one hand and a jar of peanut butter in the other and like a flashlight under my chin to go bear hunting. Uh, it sounds like a great idea. I don't think we ever had a lot of success with that, though. Nope. I, I saw a lot of bears, but I do not think in the history of my bear hunts uh, that always took place after dark or after dusk anyway, that I actually came across a bear as a result of actively looking for them. They pop up when you least expect it. So then where did Dad and George cross paths with the, the rogue grizzly? Yellowstone. Okay. He tells that story about how that mounted ranger comes like busting through the brush. Yep. And is like rogue grizzly in the area. <laughs> and then like dematerializes back into the woods. Right. Rides off showering Dad and George with mud with which they conceal themselves and mask their body <laughs> heat should the grizzly come <laughs> roguing for them. <laughs> That's a man-eater. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you know by the red eyes and the steam from its nostrils. Let's talk about the foxes. Those are pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, Ghost was the hat stealer. And was it Flower or something that, that trotted by in that magical moment of cinema? Uh, uh, maybe. That was the mom with the cubs. Yeah. Those were definitely their buddies, Treadwell's buddies. Yeah, for sure. Also a food source. For bears? Well, no. Treadwell was the fox's food source. And I'm sure they had fun or whatever, but maybe, I mean, he was petting the fox. The fox was domesticated enough. I want to give Treadwell his friend. In his, you know, post-death animation where they show him as a favorable, like, you know, animal-loving figure, his sidekick is a fox. 
right? And mm. the bear is just in the background. Or because he, is he hugging in his little vinyl sticker, like a Japanese cartoon character? Is he hugging a bear? Or does he have, should he have a fox? He should definitely have a fox. It should be like a masked fox, like swiper no swiping style. Right? He's got a hat in his mouth. Yeah, de- <laughs> definitely. And they're always going on bear hunts. Or no, not hunts. Yeah. They're going, whatever the next mission is, is like, you know, to create a, what did he call it? Not a causeway. To create like a waterway for the, the salmon to run. Yeah. I mean, that's how we associate him. It's, it's like we assume that Steve Irwin went to bed in his khakis and stuff, but we never see Treadwell. I, I was actually surprised that Jewel talked about her, how she met him in Gulliver's, like in a restaurant where he was sent to the manager's office for walking funny. So I looked it up. Gulliver's Prime Rib and Restaurant, it, there's only one in the world. And it's like a few minutes from where I sit. It's in Irvine, right by the uh, John Wayne Airport. Really? Yeah. So that's the only one. And, and so he didn't, it's not like he lived in Alaska. It's not like he retired to his like waterside icy cabin, the pale blue eye Christian Bale style. He like went back to Pittsburgh or Irvine or something in the off season. And, and like, so I, so I don't think all of those people lived in Alaska. A few of them, because the, the first girlfriend was like, yeah, I was his girlfriend for a few years. And he he kept his gear in my basement until, you know, on the off season. And then he would start out to Alaska from my house. I'm not sure where Jewel lived, but she worked in a restaurant alongside him in Irvine, California. Huh. But we never show that. We get the story or whatever, but in our in the world of the movie and in our minds, he's only in Alaska at all times. Oh yeah, and that's exactly what he wanted. That was the mystique that he was creating, the, yep. the persona that he stylized, right? That he was in a permanently a fixture in Alaska, like always alone on his own, living off the land type, you know, that one little piece of footage where he's like, no, no, you can't be in frame. I, I'm supposed to be alone. was so <laughs> right? telling. Yeah. And that's the stuff that we would only get after, like, he'd be like, you're going to ruin the aesthetic of my video over my dead body. And he would never, we would never see it if it wasn't a movie about his dead body and uh, showing the behind the scenes stuff. So what, what about Treadwell's existence as portrayed by Werner Herzog is romantic? I do think that he was, for better or worse, a person who loved the animals and put them, their safety and well-being be before his own. I just think his method was a little bit misplaced. I don't think he quite understood because I do think he was doing more damage to the wildlife than what it was yielding in terms of scientific research. He wasn't making notes. He just was he just wanted to get close to the bears. Do you think he was portrayed authentically? Yes, I do, at least by Werner Herzog. I think more authentically than he would himself have portrayed the, his Timothy Treadwell character, which wasn't even his real name. Right. That was bizarre, too, that he had changed his name. Like it was like people have stage names. He had like a naturalist name. It's like Dallas Rains, the meteorologist. Yeah. Or Wolf Blitzer, the CNN reporter. And like Steve Wynn. Like what better name is there for Casino than the Wynn? Right to Trump. Exactly. Well, I, he definitely seems more accurately portrayed, authentically portrayed than like in Diary of the Grizzly Man, which is a documentary that's supposedly or a series that's supposedly intended to show Treadwell and the Bears like, like Timothy Treadwell had intended. Yep. Also on Tubi. That's the Treadwell that I want, would have wanted to see. Who is this real person and then why is he so different on camera? I feel like we were missing 
We did get his parents, and we got some authority who was talking about the grizzly population, how healthy it was. I feel like we were missing like a real naturalist's voice or like a real conservationist voice to kind of level set on what would have been helpful or what would have been sane or considered best practices for observing and and reporting on grizzlies in the wild. And maybe therein is uh, evidence of Werner Herzog's sympathetic storytelling, (laughs) you know, because even the museum dude was like, he did it wrong. And we watch it and we're like, I mean, that's a beautiful shot. Maybe don't put your hands into the poop. Tim, you might be doing it wrong. And maybe an expert would have been like, this guy was ridiculous. And maybe a mental health expert would have been like, this guy went unchecked into an obviously dangerous situation. And the fact that he didn't possess the self-preservation that he should have is indicative of his mental decline or whatever. I'm saying it's a good, not a good idea, and that's why we don't do it, but why it's, it's fascinating to watch a character with such zeal and with such conviction do it. Yeah. He was an entertainer who didn't realize that we were laughing at him and not necessarily with him. Like, he just, he's entertaining for the, the un- unintended reasons, and all the mental health stuff, it sounds like we can blame on Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Because his friend said, losing that part to Woody Harrelson, he never was the same. Yeah. I'm not sure about the veracity of that story because it doesn't seem like, would you look at Treadwell and be like, well, he was in a serious consideration. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. (laughs) Maybe he's got great bartending skills from the Gulliver's Lodge or whatever. Maybe. And and, And that was intended to be his part and he would have been, you know, set for life. Poor Timothy Treadwell. That's my takeaway from Grizzly Man. And maybe it should be poor Bears or poor Amy. What's her name? Uh, Huguenard. Again, hard not to do the voice. Poor poor Amy Huguenard. But really, my big takeaway is like poor Timothy Treadwell. But I guess in a way, even though we were laughing at him and not with him, he did bring awareness to the bears. And not in the way that maybe he intended, just the way that he brought attention to the bears was not what he intended. But he died in service of the conservation? Well, that if the bottom line, the ultimate goal was to bring awareness to the bears, he does that. Right. His desire to get footage and to be close to the bears, to love on them, it encourages, I think in some ways, people to get too close to grizzly bears. Like, I love bears, and I've approached California black bears and been yelled at by park rangers. If I went anywhere near a grizzly bear or a polar bear, I would 100% have a shotgun and bear spray. Yeah. I love bears. I don't want to get eaten by a bear. I mean, bear spray is just pepper spray, right? Yeah. The big, like, giant thing that looks like like weed killer that you attach to a garden hose, big old bear spray. Not like the keychain style, where you spray paint them orange in the eyes with an, with an irritant. <laughs> All right. So then our words of advice, bear spray, bear canisters, or barrels. Yeah, depending both on barrels. your camping situation. A hundred yards and you can enjoy bears in proximity just by watching Grizzly Man. Unless they're cute or whatever. Then you gotta approach them and try to pet them. Yeah. If they're like scratching their backs all amiably against the tree, right? then that's when you approach. Especially if you have a picnic basket to to help them avoid the trouble of coming to you. <laughs> uh, why are you ready at a moment's notice to 
review and discuss Grizzly Man from 2005. I've seen this movie at least five times. It's endlessly fascinating, not only for Timothy Treadwell and the crazy, like he gets close to bears, which is what we don't see in bear documentaries. I want to get close to bears, but I think like a natural self-preservation instinct will kick in. I find Werner Herzog fascinating, and I think that his big epic Fitzcarraldo uh, Aguirre Wrath of God type movies, I think this is uh, an outlier. I think this The Grizzly Man is a weird one for him, and I'm not sure he knows how to make a serious documentary. I, 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 it's hard to take this movie seriously, but when he's out there with the bears, it feels wild and it feels real, and I at least perceive the imminent danger, even if Treadwell didn't. And in that way... It's a movie I like about bears, and also that guy's crazy, but I don't have to worry about that dude because that dude took care of himself. He went to his just desserts, I guess. I mean, he yes, he brought awareness to the bears, and I like bear movies, but all he kind of demonstrated is, you know, you can be lucky with bears, you know, 12 out of 13 times. And your final reading is? I like watching this movie, and I've seen it enough so that I don't have to pretend like it's, oh, but he's really like a great character because I wouldn't want to hang out with Timothy Treadwell. I wouldn't want to hang out with anybody in this movie, although I hang out with Treadwell before I would that coroner guy, Frank. Um, I do kind of want to hang out with Werner Herzog because I think he would, like in a, in a weird way, he would be great for my phone voicemail message or whatever or to narrate my own the documentary about my own demise whatever that may be though or the or whatever movies intro right i'm hoping that i will outlive Werner herzog but it's not a for sure thing Werner herzog yeah you know how he's old like 90 Werner or something yeah. yeah he's like no he's two years older than mom so it's it's not likely that he'll narrate my death like documentary about my death or whatever but i kind of want that you know? Yeah. And then the very last reason is because I discovered that Timothy Treadwell at the time of his death was exactly the same age that I am now. Here we go. Did he leave, live a full life? He's a skinny guy, so he looked pretty creased and like looked like he was showing his age. Plus, those nature guys are all weathered. Yep. Plus, I live right by his restaurant. I've been to his restaurant. So that's a totally? No. Because <laughs> part of it, I'm not sure how much I can take seriously. I think it's a fascinating, curious documentary. But like you said, he did those things so I wouldn't have to do them. And so I could see the footage from the comfort of my living room on Tubi. <laughs> Which is probably for the best. Official rating, all right. And good. And there you have it. That's our discussion on Grizzly Man from 2005. A film that after 17, 18 years has managed to stay curious and very weird. This is uh, our companion discussion to our main channel release, Fire of Love. Documentary double feature here at Or Whatever Movies. Check out Fire of Love and a number of other, countless other documentary discussions at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode and many others at orwhatevermovies.com, please leave us a five-star review and follow us on social media at orwhatevermovies. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you can.
Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid. 